talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me Hello, and welcome once again to more like the worst wing. Uh, today we have an episode from season four entitled The Red Mass. And I am Stu, sorry. And I am Dave, and I'm not sorry. <laughs> Introduction's over for the time being. Chances are, if you're listening to this, you know who we are. Um, <laughs> but if you're hopping in on this episode, welcome. Welcome. We're happy to have you. Um, so, full disclaimer, as you can almost already tell, like, there's probably something's happening, like, with my brain rot due to the pandemic or something, but this episode was so fucking bad. I had, like, it transcended me disliking watching it to my brain being unable to pay attention to it <laughs> for the full 44 minutes. It was torturous. I was I was able to pay attention this time. I didn't have to rewatch it like I did last week's episode, where I actually had to take a second watch because I had completely forgotten my first watch of it after about three days. <laughs> this one wasn't that bad, but I was, do just remember getting increasingly annoyed at certain points of just sort of this episode is real bad on politics uh, in general, and it doesn't even have the saving grace of being entertaining at all. So that's, you know, we got no Lily Tomlin. There's no there's no saving us. There's no subplot in this episode that saves us that's fun and engaging to watch. They're all bad. It, it, it also didn't help that most of the, like, to a degree beyond the usual, most of the big, like, uh, multi-character interactions were in the form of, like, sitting in a small group and talking about things. Right. And it was, like... No especially, action. Yeah, and especially when you get to, like, the, the politics stuff, as you said, it's just, like, as as far as the show goes, the details they are discussing are so, strike me as, so insignificant that... Well... Go ahead. No, no, well, no, no, yeah, no. They're, they're so insignificant that at one point Josh goes, okay, well, I've got you all in the room, so I'm going to fucking leave. <laughs> like, and, we, and he leaves, and then we, we follow him, because him talking to Amy is much more important than the politics going down in the room he just left. Yeah. So, basically, um, the, the intro has uh, Senator Stackhouse and his campaign managers, Amy and this other woman, Susan, I think is her name. Yeah, the character's um, name. Yeah. Doing doing stuff for the campaign. And basically they're saying like, Amy, you can't be unbiased in these decisions because of your relationship with Josh. And mm -hmm. she's like, well, uh, frankly, fuck Josh. I'm here to do my job because she right. rules. And like, yeah. Right. Um, but she does warn them to the fact that, you know, if they figured something out, then Josh figured it out two and a half minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> and which, again, I think that's a valuable kind of insight because she knows Josh inside now. Yes. Point. Yeah. So she's yeah, she's giving this valuable insight to the Stackhouse campaign of like, you're not going to outthink this guy because all this guy does is like think about political strategy day in and day out. But then we jump cut to Josh sitting and talking about fucking baseball with Donna. And then <laughs> it's a little bit of a funny comedy cut where she's like, it, it might take him longer than normal to figure it out because the Mets lost last night. Yeah. And then it <laughs> smash cut to him bitching about the Mets like, just throw strikes, goddammit. <laughs> it's so easy. I figured it out, you guys. <laughs> guys, I figured out baseball. You just yeah. throw strikes. I'm going <laughs> to call every pitcher and get their ERA down like a whole solid point with this fucking primo advice. <laughs> Just it's so throw simple. strikes and catch cut, the ball. Cut out balls, just throw strikes. So easy. <laughs> Why didn't we think of this? <laughs> so after he like maunders on this for a little while, he gets up from his desk briefly and kind of Donna's like, whoa, what happened? He says, right. I know how Richie's going to win this election. Boom. 
intro we've got, like right. credit sequence. So we've got a, in theory this is a great cold open to set up like an episode of like uh oh shit the campaign's in trouble. But that's not what the plot of the episode is yeah. actually about at all. <laughs> nothing almost nothing happens with this yes. line of like it's incredible because I'm sitting here the whole rest of the time being like all right you hooked me. Right. Then what? It's actually a pretty decent hook for to, to smash into our theme song with. And it's a shame that the actual episode doesn't really <laughs> engage on that hook at all. Uh, yeah. So C- CJ has her own I know how Richie's going to win this election moment later in this episode where she correctly realizes that the expectations game for the debate... Uh, is where Richie is currently winning because expectations for Richie are so low at this point that, as as she puts it, you know, if we set it so that if he ties his shoelaces, that's a miracle, then all he has to do is tie his shoelaces. And so that's that's what she's worried about. So she goes to talk to Toby about a potential debate strategy and change, perhaps, you know, increasing the number of debates, changing the debate format, stuff like that. Because she's correctly worried that, you know, similar to kind of how Palin in 2012 didn't exactly win the VP debate, but didn't lose it nearly as bad as people predicted because the expectations for her were so low that even just spitting together an hour's worth of boring Republican, you know, talking points was more than enough to win the expectations game for her. Yeah, so this kind of devolves, and we can just kind of talk about this entire topic briefly, like it... Throughout the episode, it, it wends its way through this discussion of, like, do we ha- do we go after him on anything right. in particular? Like, how do we how do we get around the idea that basically he can just sit there and smile and he will meet everybody's expectations? Right. And as, as Josh puts it, the fortune cookie uh, president yeah. stuff, you know, where you can just throw out cheap, easy slogans like, yeah, America's great and I'm going to restore jobs and that kind of shit. So they end up going down this discussion where they're talking about like the RNC and the DNC are like negotiating over how many debates correct that they're going to have correct and yeah. the Bartlett a... campaign is pushing for five uh, the Richie campaign is pushing for two Mm-mm. or actually as as few as possible really they're put I mean I think he says it explicitly they're pushing for zero and right <laughs> there is there is a scene here that is somewhat was somewhat confusing to me. Where they say they're all sitting in this with like they're talking with the president, like a war room kind of format. And it's just like, here's the thing. We wanted five debates. The Republicans wanted zero debates. And then Sam just says, we actually have only one more thing that they want. And the president gets this sort of like serious cast and looks over at him and goes, boy, that's going to be like a tough row to hoe. Do we think we can handle it? And it is never expanded upon or clarified what the fuck he's talking about <laughs> yeah uh, and you, I, you just kind of come down to the the thing that they wanted still is fewer debates so they then compromise again from their position of having two debates to having just one right well the com- the debate committee ruled that two was going to be the the final number um, after the the back and forth between the Bartlett and the Ritchie campaigns, so that they, they have already compro- been co- forced to compromise down to two, and then uh, to change the debate format, they proposed to the Ritchie campaign that okay, fine, instead of two, we'll cut it down to just one, but it's going to be the format we want. 
which is the like Democrats, a quote unquote. Everybody. Yeah, exactly. The Democrats. Yeah. So stupidly this will actually end up working in their favor because of the quote-unquote like true debate format and oh my god this episode goes out of its way to lionize the act of debate itself Jesus Christ. Uh, where bartlett goes on this tirade about how like oh the roman senators they argued throughout the night and the day until they passed out in the senate and like all these like they they go out of their way to just jerk off the ideological concept of debate and how it's going to solve every single problem in this country and it's so so stupid yeah so let's take a brief break here and then i've got some other shit about words that are really stupid i want to talk about sort of involves like this this back and forth over language is we get charlie and his um like his little brother his mentee formerly simon's little brother yeah formerly simon's yeah anthony Anthony. is back and he's Mm -hmm. like shadowing charlie for a day right he's doing that stuff they were talking about where like hey on saturday mornings i come here and i work for an hour then i go play basketball so i think they're in that hour of work time um and he's yeah he's watching charlie uh get ready for stuff uh, and he asks Charlie, he's like, hey, what are, what are you doing right now? And Charlie's like, oh, I'm preparing the president's uh, schedule or whatever for the Red Mass. And he goes, "What? well, what's the Red Mass? He goes, well, uh, before the Supreme Court meets on the first Monday of whenever they meet, there's a mass the previous night at uh, this, you know, at this church, at this cathedral in D.C., and all the Supreme Court justices go, and the president goes, and the Speaker of the House goes, and, uh, you know, it's a whole big thing. And uh, Anthony goes, whoa, isn't that, like, a violation of church and state or something like that? And Charlie decides to go on a whole power play of, like, oh, yeah, show me in the Constitution where it says violation of church and state is a thing. And and really tries to, like, trip up Anthony on all, like, that he's asking the wrong way or something like that. And Anthony's trying to engage with Charlie here, is actually trying to learn and, and get engaged with politics and Charlie just sort of takes the worst tack possible, and rather than just, like, good faith answer his question, gives him homework. <laughs> well, and there's a, there's a valid way to go about the, like, instead of answering your question, I'm going to lead you into another question type of, like, Yeah, like a Socratic method. method thing, but he's yeah. not doing that here. No. He's, he's, he's just, just kind of bullying him. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. And it's, it's awful, like, and... It's, again, around this other token character, and I'm not trying to project anything here, but it's just like, it seems that Charlie's personality takes on these other aspects that are, are awful. Like, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it feels like he's basically saying, like, 
you're too ignorant to even like ask the question the right way rather than giving him credit for like, wow, you're actually asking a question about my job and politics. That's great. I'm so glad you're interested. Let's talk about it. Or like, and you don't even need to like get super explicit about it. You could just do it nicer. And it's like, yeah. Charlie is just like, being he just cops a real attitude for no, for no reason at all. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, I get it. Anthony's being like a little shitty about it at first, but then once he starts to kind of actually get interested, he, he, you know, he drops the, Anthony drops the attitude relatively quickly. It's Charlie who keeps the, decides to like escalate the attitude contest. Yeah. And I just can't, I can't help but feel like that any, any teacher would just recognize that immediately and be like, oh shit, like this is a real opportunity. I'm going to Yeah, like, like oh my kid. God, he's actually getting interested in yeah. like one of the most boring fucking things, <laughs> you know, like what an opportune moment here. And Charlie just squanders it, but then it ends up paying off with like, oh, he wrote him a nasty letter, but he wrote it on the back of the first amendment. So, oh, isn't it a lovely uh. learn? learning moment for everyone or some bullshit i don't know yeah it's real dumb yeah this um, episode's just very dumb overall <laughs> <laughs> well and there's like the other the incredible like I, I get that sort of frankly i think for sorkin writing charlie is a bit of a minefield it was sure especially now it will always be impossible to look back on that character and think it was done well i don't think sure. there is a way to do it but yeah i guess not but there he has better moments and he has worse moments like i think the moments where like he's bartlett's surrogate son where he get you know he gets like the the paul revere knife and stuff i think those yeah. moments work a lot better than than moments like these where they're trying i feel like they're trying to give charlie more agency more kind of oomph more kind of like initiative or something like that you know they're showing him like mentoring this kid essentially but they the tack they take is just so weird yeah and like it's again it's it's a it's a tough i mean i'll fully it is a minefield it's a it is a minefield yeah way to 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 navigate but like (laughs) it's and it's it's not like sorkin's at all equipped to do this because we see these other characters in this fucking show where like we get we get amy and josh back like with the relationship stuff yeah in this episode where it's just like it's completely just (laughs) josh is a fucking child right about their relationship it is so fucking stupid to to be fair i think that's all intentional at least so i'll get i'll give them a slight credit where it's due i think they want to show that josh is completely dysfunctional when it comes to women uh or interpersonal relationships or anything that is not his actual job well i guess but it always seems to evolve in the context of him being a proxy for the administration at large yeah well that that's where it gets weird yeah because it ends up dovetailing into you know as amy says like don't be mad at me like don't take out your personal relationship anger on me in terms of this stack house thing that i'm working on now which is exactly what he tries to do yeah and i i can i can i i like here put in the clip here where amy says what she does like after afterwards sweet of you to look out for me but i like the job i had and when i lost it i didn't pitch anything I didn't stage a nutty. I fought you. I lost. I had a drink. I took a shower. Because that's how it is in the NBA. You know what I do when I win? Two drinks. <laughs> I, yeah. like, I, like, I like that. You know, it ain't personal. It's business. I take a drink. I take a shower. You get back in the game because this is the NBA. Yeah, you know? for real. 
Like, it, you know, so if you want to take that tack, then we can take that tack, Josh, but you keep dragging the personal back into the business. Yeah, and now that I kind of, like, I think about it, because Sorkin is capable of writing that into Amy, I'm, I'm certain that, like, he's he's deliberately driving Josh into this, like, ch- more childish mindset just to yes. create the, the tension. The drama, pr- precisely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so I think it is intentionally done. I think... The, this is the only redeeming part of the episode to me is their little interpersonal dynamic. It has more oh. stakes and drama and chemistry in it than anything else in the episode, which For is sure. damning with faint praise, but, uh, <laughs> you know, faint praise nonetheless is earned here. Um, mostly, I think, this is due to uh, Mary Louise Parker um, just does a killer job with Amy throughout all of this and expressing how like josh you totally fucked me over and i'm still giving you chances and you continue to keep fucking it up (laughs) so there's one thing where so this leads into the one thing because josh literally says he's stealing the president's votes yes he referring to stackhouse he referring to stackhouse (laughs) running against him in the holy shit Yeah, and Amy correctly says, like, so that's the part of your argument where you start to sound like a fucking crazy person. Like, it is it is quintessential. <laughs> they are not his votes. And, and to be fair, again, this is sort of a mixed message again because so many people take their cues and their political education from this show and mm-hmm. if they are if they lionize josh's character they absorb right. this and start to think about politics in real terms of like right of they are my votes yeah <laughs> yeah yeah because at the end of the day josh is still our hero you know throughout the arc excuse me yep. throughout the arc of this show he will succeed more often than not he is our protagonist he is the hero that this show effectively centers around so of course in the end his ideology and his viewpoint is going to be the correct one in the world of the show more often yeah. than not well and he also they also devote a the line of inquiry with him and Donna in his office where he's like talking about Kant and like how oh, Richie God. is cribbing from philosophical ideas incorrect. This episode it's, is so up its fuck ass. Fuck me. Like and I just I literally wrote out Jesus Christ Josh I will never fucking read a book. I, I will did, never read I a book. I did read those books. I took freshman <laughs> philosophy like exactly like he's bitching about and oh my God he's getting all up his own ass. So he's going off a tirade because he sends Donna out to Go to this dude who runs like self help seminars because yeah. this du- self help dude uh, advised Richie at one point, and so he decides to get into a whole thing of like, well, if we can discredit this self help dude as a wacko and say he advised Richie, then we can say Richie's a wacko, uh, and it's like good campaign strategy or whatever. <laughs> but and then but then rather than like actually take that to where you think it's going to go. Instead, he gets all caught up on like, oh, the stupid self-help wacko is just pitching like fortune cookie wisdom and he doesn't really understand Kant. You got to read the whole 198 pages to Uh. understand. And like, oh my God, get out of your own ass television show. Yeah. Well, and then this all sort of culminates in the final interaction with Josh towards the end of the episode where Amy comes by and like takes him outside and... Makes him a Gives balloon him animal. Yet another chance. <laughs> Makes him a balloon animal. Is like, look what I'm learning in my, or look what I learned in my yeah. period of unemployment. In my, de- in, in my downtime, yeah. <laughs> and gives him a balloon animal, and then I shit you not, the line is, she says, it's whatever you want it to be. And she like bites her lip 
and yeah. like suggestively looks at him like, dude, not a- Amy wants to fuck real yeah. bad. Josh. She, she, like she should have just done a wink and grabbed his crotch yeah, and no, gone a honka honka. It's, <laughs> it's like it's literally like the reverse like wolf eye or the wolf wolf owl thing <laughs> going on here. And Josh yeah. is still fucking like, and he's still is too upset about work or whatever to even fucking care. Like. And uh, like I like that this is sort of a, a character flaw of his, and I think yes. I think it, you know, if he is meant to be like this Rahm Emanuel esque sort of power broker motherfucker who doesn't care about anything except you know kicking ass at his job, then yeah, he's had to sacrifice everything else, including any idea of how to interact with women. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll also give I'll give again damning with faint praise credit here, but it it seems to uh, it echoes again of Sorkin's kind of. Um, propensity to treat, I guess, I guess, sex and particularly in the workplace, what would be considered sexual harassment as okay when the ladies do it. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Um, which which brings up another thing that I wanted to talk about. Real, this has no connection to anything else we've just sure. discussed. But at one point, a female senator uh, comes in to talk to Sam about some sort of election strategy stuff. Um, she tells him about the fact that the guy running in Orange County for the Democrats just had his fourth heart attack. Uh, this will actually end up being the long setup to Sam leaving yeah. the show, um, due, due to Rob Lowe's uh, contract negotiations falling through. Uh, so they're already starting to set this up, but regardless, that's all sort of immaterial to the point, which is that when she comes up to Sam, she's like, wow, Sam, aren't you looking like a fucking hot little snack? And he's like, oh, uh, oh isn't that inappropriate? And she's like, nope, I'm a lady. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the exact same shit that Sam got yelled at in that one episode by Sorkin's straw feminist, where he calls Ainsley like a hot little snack for being in her dress. And then she, and you know, the intern correctly calls him out on like whoa inappropriate workplace dialogue there sam but when a lady does it to a guy that's just sorkin's idea of a good time well and in this episode there's that intern who comes up to charlie and literally says like her second line is should i use sex as a strategy yeah for like getting some schedule from like the oeob or whatever it's what the the fuck? fuck I don't know. Uh, Sor- Sorkin, Sorkin's sexual pathologies is something I don't really want to dive into, but, but like, there's just a world of dysfunction there. <laughs> yeah, so let's take another break, um, and we'll come back and wrap up stuff with uh, the Israel politics and the weird sort of... The, I feel like this episode starts to almost take on the the, GWA, the global war on terror in in a in a way because there is a lot of interaction here but let's take yeah. a break and we can talk about how Israel and Kumar are beefing yeah Welcome back. And so for the final segment, we want to talk about uh, more. There's more payoff to the Sharif storyline uh, in this particular episode, which, again, 
credit where credit's due, I appreciate that the show is, like, really letting this play out over many, many episodes, which is, you know, we usually have not gotten arcs this long before. Yeah. Other than, like, the president's MS, I think, was only the other major arc that lasted this long. Yeah. So I'm glad that they're having, you know, his first political assassination be a big thing with long-ranging consequences. So again, a small credit where credit is due show. Good job. Um, but in this particular episode, we get um, an Israeli foreign minister uh, visiting the White House, and um, he starts, and then, you know, he and Leo talk a lot about the Sharif thing. First, he comes up to Leo, he's like, so, uh, so what's this bit I hear about Sharif being in Libya, walking around? <laughs> and Leo's like, yeah, look, we had, to, we had to do some real dumb shit about that. Just fucking ignore that, please. <laughs> and, uh, and they talk about the fact that, you know, Kumar is now blaming Israel. Um, there's, you know, Kumar's going to launch some sort of strike. Israel's going to do a retaliatory strike. And Leo tries to put the kibosh on... The, on the whole strike because they're they're trying to work with Kumar to stop Kumar's strike. So if they if they can stop Israel's strike, you know it, it's better if there's no strikes at all. Uh, on the, on this, Leo and I are for once agreed yes. uh, <laughs> on foreign policy. We can agree that yes, it's better if there's zero strikes so, on either side. So I'm also going to say that this part of the episode is particularly confusing because the thing that Leo is trying to delay is Kumar announcing that they found Israel responsible for Correct. killing Sharif. But I don't understand. Which is why they're going to launch the strike. Which yes. is why, well, which is why Israel would retaliate with this strike. But Correct. I don't understand how Israel delaying their strike would prevent Kumar from announcing anything. It's like, I think, I think the, impl I think Leo says that they're working with Kumar to delay the announcement also so, to delay the, so they basically just want Israel to like stand down their readiness. They're maybe. Yeah. They're basically, they're punting, you know, they're saying like, okay, look, we're just going to just kick this off for another week. So we have some more time to deal with it. Um, I think is what Leo's play yeah. here is yeah. um, on both ends of the aisle. Yeah, okay. Um, so then we get this really funny interaction where the Israeli guy, who is, by the way, definitely meant to be based off, like, Benjamin Netanyahu. Great casting. Um, yeah, like, this guy looks and sounds just like BB, and, and, you know, has, has the same sort of hardline, you know, Israeli, you know, military sort of stance on things. And... So at one point he's like, well, you know, Leo, we, I don't like the fact that America goes around bang, bang, cowboy killing foreign leaders. Yeah. <laughs> and, Le and Leo just fucking like deadpan looks at him and is like, are you fucking kidding me? You're, you're goddamn Israel. We're America. You and I fucking see completely eye to eye on and this. And you wanted him dead too. <laughs> the and the guy's just like, all right, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I love it That's um, great. yeah just the immediate full back down of like yeah you're you're totally right i'm sorry though i shouldn't have said that by the way the actor's name is malachi throne which is god damn oh, the what a name extremely max power energy what a great name yeah. i i want that name i'm jealous now <laughs> Um, yeah, so, yeah, fantastic job by this character actor guy, um, portraying this sort of, like, Israeli arrogance, basically, particularly when in the White House setting, you know, like, these are the two bestest buddies in the world yep. who can agree, who can definitely agree on basically everything when it comes to military strategy. Yeah, and so 
this goes down a road sort of like implicitly initially where <laughs> god so uh, initially it's a success in yes. terms of like leo leo gets what he wants out of uh this guy the israeli foreign minister and he says okay great you know when's your flight leaving blah 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 they kind of set up the plane a little bit to keep it in the back of your mind um then to to sort of tangent but it'll come back around uh we have the final payoff of the uh pipe bombers mm -hmm. from the high school pool meet have been finally caught they're in some sort of waco-esque standoff where you know they're all locked up they're survivalist preppers but there's a kid in there who has like a uh, congestive heart failure condition yep. and he needs certain medicine or he'll die. And they know that the kid is out of the medicine and he's been like six days without medicine. So their initial strategy was to just wait out these guys because they, they could afford to wait them out. Uh, they realize now because of this kid's health issues, they can't afford to wait them out. So the president authorizes police and FBI uh, action to, to take, you know, to take the compound um, and they do, they do so successfully. Uh, we get a, a re return of Agent Mike Casper, aka Agent Coulson, <laughs> um, to show up and take credit for, you know, the successful, you know, they, they only killed one of the suspects, they injured another, uh, but, uh, you know, they saved every single innocent, they saved the kid who's now, you know, in stable condition at the hospital. You know, big, big backpacks all around for everyone. Good job, good jobs. Uh, we actually got like our our rare big win for the show, yep. and in in the show's quickest tonal whiplash, they take that big win and rip it right back away. As um, one of the guys in the room says, like, "Oh, by the way, we uh, we heard a plane got shot down over Lebanon." Um, it's it's uh, an I Israeli. Think, plane? I think that is I think that Israeli foreign minister guy that you guys were meeting with. I think he was on that plane. <laughs> um, but you know, search and rescues just started, so we'll find out more later okay bye <laughs> and then leo and him leo and bartlett just kind of exchanged looks of like oh we're fucked now <laughs> and there's this there's a brief tangent in the middle where leo is kind of just like literally pondering the the eventuality or the 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 final outcome of what, the end game yeah the end game of the of, middle east of the middle and the global war on terror frankly in the american oeuvre it's like he literally says what what's the result here? What do we want? Do we want the U.S. flag to be flying over Mecca? And it's like, and if so, <sighs> why aren't we do, why aren't we doing what we need to do to make that happen right now? You know, which is just the <sighs> and you know he he's he's talking to Sam and he's like, Sam, you're one of the best young minds of your generation. Have you thought of an answer to the Middle East conflict? No. Well, there you go. Then obviously we just need the American uh, flag flying over Mecca. Well, and uh, and obviously, like we don't need to actually explicate this for our listeners. It's like I would guys, I would hope not. You, you are <laughs> you are dealing in the episode with an episode of domestic terrorism, wherein the U.S. flag already flies over Boise, Idaho. Like <laughs> yeah, where where your where your BYU terrorists or like, whatever are hold up. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, but uh, it's just super imperialist and, and all over the place with this with this particular subplot with the Israeli guy. And so I think in next episode, we're going to have more fallout of this, which, again, I really appreciate that, like, the consequences for this Sharif killing are vast and numerous and bad. Almost like it was a terrible idea, Bartlett. <laughs> well, it's it's cool that they that they write multiple or like they had the I guess I would say the forethought to write 
multiple events that would plausibly knock on right. to the assassination. Yes. Yeah, and like and they're letting them all play out and to the, you know, unfortunately the show will ultim I don't know the exact resolution, but ultimately, you know, this does not lead to World War 3 or whatever they're fearing. So they end up getting out of it through some <laughs> method that we'll discover in the next couple of episodes. <laughs> Imagine so just a- that that's that's the unfortunate part of like, well, they write the consequences, but then ultimately sort of give them a get out of jail free card at the end. You imagine a, a, an alternate universe West Wing that just dovetails hard into like a post-apocalypse show. Oh my God. Yeah. Four. Or like, you know, turns into survivor yeah. where like, you know, the 18th guy on the line of succession has to take up yeah. because Kumar nuked America. <laughs> oh my rule. God. That'd be incredible. The, uh, so the, the last thing I'd like to remark on briefly is just like the, the title of the episode being the red mass. We hear almost nothing about right. the red mass. Throughout. The titular, the titular event itself. We get a one shot of it where we see the Supreme court justices. I like that. They picked stand-ins for all of our real world ones. Mm-hmm. You've got an obvious Ginsburg. You've got an obvious Clarence Thomas, you know, like you can, you can tell that like, Oh, that's the Ginsburg. That's the Clarence Thomas. Like, the g- good job on the stunt casting there. Yeah. Um, well, and they, they have but, a lot yeah, of... Yeah, but like, nothing actual happens in the event. Oh. We get president speaking, but we don't even see it. We hear nothing of it. We we have the characters talk about it after it happened. And it's like a backdrop for him to reconcile with Stackhouse, which, I mean, okay. Right, which is ultimately, that's, yeah, that's... And so that's how the Stackhouse plot ends with Stackhouse dropping out of the race and in exchange, Bartlett decides to field some questions about needle exchange, which was the initial issue... Stackhouse was going to get into, which was going to cause problems for the Bartlett campaign. So that all kind of dovetails nicely there at the end. But yeah, the actual Red Mass itself is completely immaterial <laughs> to the episode and its proceedings. And then they, they, because they, they spent some time trying to like play it up too. And it's just like, um, right. Because everything with Anthony and Charlie is setting up the Red Mass as like, oh, it's going to be this thing, you know, where something important is going to happen. And nope, nope, <laughs> nothing, nothing happens. <laughs> actually you'll find you're mistaken <laughs> it's just like <laughs> nope sorry yeah so uh i think that pretty much does it for for this episode um let's take another quick break and we'll come back and give some final thoughts and wrap up understand we lost some rights at 119 come dumb come young come blind unwind confined to the situation we facing because it's time tick tick boom that does it for this episode of more like the worst wing uh thanks again to everyone who listened don't watch we this episode en- don't if you haven't yeah, don't, already don't bother. yeah yeah go watch 20 hours in Seriously. america that's a lot more fun <laughs> than this if you're gonna if you're rewatching along with us please skip this one it's a if oof, oof, <laughs> it's a stinker uh we'll let you know when the next good one is god no god only knows when, when that'll, that'll be, be. <laughs> 
Um, but as always, we appreciate any comments or questions you throw in the thread. Um, if you found us a different way, you can always shoot the show an email at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Nice. You know, I do this more for the nice joke because we haven't gotten a single email, but I like doing that joke every week. So we're going to keep plugging the email address. Um, And uh, so we'll be back for the next episode, which I haven't even looked up yet on the next time on The Worst Wing. Everybody stay safe. Stay safe. Bye. But don't ask me to come on along.